Welcome to Impact. I'm your host, Pamela Ancheng. Impact is a show where immigrants and Americans discuss America today. We have an exciting lineup of hot topics, entertainment, and profiles you can't afford to miss. To you all in true American fashion, we say, what's up? On today's show, we will be exploring the impact of the immigrant accent and the dynamics of the relationship between immigrants and native-born Americans. When does an accent become an issue? To discuss this with my very diverse panel, Dr. Aura Imbarus, an awarded educator, journalist, life coach, and author of the critically acclaimed Amazon bestseller, Out of the Transylvania Night, a story of tyranny, freedom, love, and identity, a memoir detailing her life in Romania during the communist regime. She is also the president and founder of See Beyond, Live, Love, Inspire. She is a licensed clinical hypnotherapist, having trained with Dr. Brian Weiss and Juanita Holmes. She was featured on NBC, ABC, CNBC, Good Morning San Diego, Forbes Romania, and many more. Ora Imbarus serves on the California Ballots Advisory Council. She's also the president and co-founder of RAPN, Romanian American Professional Network. We also have Mrs. Kevin Geller, a licensed marriage, family, and child counselor specializing in the integration of psychotherapy and spirituality from a Baha'i perspective. She designs and teaches curriculums centered on the empowering principle of unity in diversity. Kevin Geller is an international consultant, trainer, educator, and lecturer. Mrs. Geller is a producer and host of radio and TV shows. We have Queen Uche Umieguku, founder of Uche Hair, Nigerian-born and highly respected hair extension entrepreneur in Beverly Hills, California. She is also a philanthropist, successful global businesswoman, mom, model, and two-time pageant winner of Miss Face of Nigeria and Miss Africa World, who has made many appearances in magazines and television such as VH1, Bravo, TVC, NTA, BET, Centric, E! News, Style Network, and WeTV. We also have, finally, Miss Kiana M. Williams, an audio engineer, editor, co-host, and producer of Feminist Magazine here on Pacifica Radio. She will shed light on the American perspective on this complex issue. As always, we bring you an exciting show, Rich in Culture, through Music Master Charles, giving you only the best of world music. And sound engineer, D'Angelo Jones, will be here to make us sound really great. This is Impact, where immigrants and Americans discuss America today. I am Pamela Anchang. You are welcome to join the conversation by sharing your thoughts on our Facebook page at Impact with Pamela Anchang, on my Instagram page at Pam Anchang, Twitter at Pamela Anchang, and finally, our YouTube channel Team TV or Immigrant Magazine, Voice of Immigrants in America where you can subscribe and find the video broadcast of all our shows on Impact. Really exciting show today with my amazing guest. So stay with us as we take you on this magnificent journey that is the immigrant experience. So let's begin with our hot topic of the day, bias and stereotypes, the immigrant accent. When does an accent become an issue? 
The United States is a nation of diverse cultures, languages, and ethnic backgrounds. I guess that would dictate a normal occurrence for accents popping by the minute. Many immigrants are used to being told that they have an accent. The question takes a different turn, however, when it could be a barrier for a great career opportunity. Here to discuss are Dr. Aura Embarus, an awarded educator, journalist, life coach, and best-selling author. Mrs. K. Van Geller, a licensed marriage, family, and child counselor specializing in the integration of psychotherapy and spirituality from a Baha'i perspective. We'll have Queen Uche Umieguku, founder of Uche Hair, Nigerian-born, a highly respected hair extension entrepreneur in Beverly Hills, California. And finally, Miss Kiana Williams, an audio engineer, editor, co-host, and producer of Feminist Magazine here on 90.7 FM KPFK. And she will chime in after our conversation with our immigrant accented people. So welcome to Impact. I would like to set the background for today's episode by reading an excerpt from an archived New York Times article that really hit home and captured the essence of this topic. Please listen and we can all discuss. So welcome to the show, ladies. Thank you. Dr. Thank you. Aura, how, how are you doing? I'm doing great now because I'm here with you guys. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> and the queen is here, of Queen course. Uche. Yes. How is the day? Good. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. <laughs> and Mrs. Kevin Gela, my girl, how are you? Doing very well. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, my pleasure. And not forgetting, my own colleague right next to me, Miss Kiana Williams. How are you today? Hi, good. Thank you. Nice to have you on the show. We all already introduced the show. It's about bias and stereotypes, the immigrant accent, and when it becomes an issue. I'm going to read an excerpt, like I said before, about this issue, and then let's have a discussion about it. So just pay attention, listeners on KPFK 90.7 FM, Radio Pacifica, please pay attention because I really want to hear some commentary from you. Here it goes. This was an article written by Raymond Hernandez in 1993 about when an accent becomes an issue. He says immigrants turn to speech classes to reduce thing of bias. When Carmen Friedman, an immigrant from Colombia, began dating the man who would become her husband, she felt embarrassed because she mispronounced his name. She called him Yosef instead of Joseph. When she started a job as a substitute teacher a year later, she dreaded going to work, becoming nauseated at the thought of having to speak in front of a new class. Finally, when she realized that her accent had not diminished, even after nearly five years in the United States, she became so unnerved by the idea of not fitting in that she paid for lessons to eliminate her accent. She said, I don't want my accent to hurt my self-esteem anymore. I know I can get my point across in English, but I don't want to feel uncomfortable every time I say something. Still an impediment. Now, as the ethnic composition of the city where she was, which was New York City, and the nation changed under a growing tide of immigration, accents then and today are still an impediment, even a stigma, for millions of people in school, at work, and in social settings. Hmm. Dr. Ora, what's your observation? Wow. Okay. <laughs> well, first of all, I am teaching and I'm teaching English. So I'm an immigrant who came to the United States 20 years ago and I'm teaching 
uh, American literature and British literature and advanced composition. Um, I believe that your accent can be a problem if you think it is a problem. I mean, very many times people are going to really listen even more to you because you have an accent. Mm -hmm. So their ears are going to try to kind of like tune into your message. Right. I've always been asked, are you Brazilian? And I said, yes. And then somebody else said, are you Argentinian? I said, yes. And then is that who I am? I really believe that, you know, I'm international. I really don't believe even if I was born in Romania mm -hmm. and my last name, it's of Greek origin. I don't think I, I really so much relate to only one culture. So I look Brazilian. I speak, you know, Spanish. So I think it's your accent can limit you to a certain culture. But can also be probably a sign that you are belonging to the world instead of just belonging to one country. So in my case, it was really not working against me. Actually, I think it worked for me. You know, I have to chime in on that. It's true. It can be an asset in some situations. However, I need to know, does anybody know anybody or have you had to experience something similar to her felt judged or stigmatized by your accent? Queen or Kevin? Let's start with the Queen. <laughs> What's your experience? Well, thank you for the question. Well, um, first, um, mine is good and mine is bad. It, uh, I'm a businesswoman, and I have a lot of you know females come up to my stores, come come up to my store, and I had this incident of this lady. She came into my store. There was a misunderstanding, and when this when she wanted to talk to the owner or the supervisor, I walked in, and then once I started speaking. She thought she was going to intimidate me because of my accent. She's like, oh, you guys are coming from Africa, taking all the money. There you go. But for me, I still have people that see me in Beverly Hills and they think my accent is sexy. <laughs> that's <laughs> true, right? And that's yeah. Funny. And they say, oh, you, oh come on, server. Uh, and they start speaking French to me automatically. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm from Nigeria, but I know a little bit of French. So yes. it varies. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. But mine, mine is... 90% they think is sexy for me. People want right. to chime in and talk to me mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. see me like a unicorn. Yeah. Some people want to downgrade that, so it depends. You know, I did a study, and I'm also a teacher, by the way, by profession. I, th I taught middle school in this mm -hmm. country, and I have to tell you, it was kind of like your experience, Queen Uche. The kids, depending on the experience, some were receptive to my accent yeah. and some were not. So, Kevin, you're the psychotherapist, and we're not talking about <laughs> psychotherapy, I know, but I can't help but defer to you for this question. And I read a study that said perceptions of sometimes, a person's perception of another person's accent can influence the way they see the person. What do you say to well, that? Well, you know, if we don't see the person, mm -hmm. let's say the person is behind a... Um, um, telephone. Yes. And you're talking to them. Mm -hmm. And the only thing you have from them is not any body language, it's not their face, it's mm -hmm. not their expression. Yes. N all of that, which is really 75% of mm -hmm. communication. So you only have their voice. And the accent becomes an impediment in you being able to understand them. Mm -hmm. Then that might turn into some kind of a frustration. And then mm -hmm. they, they, you might then say, oh, I don't know. And I had that actually experience not too long ago. <laughs> I was trying to pay yes. for, because I teach online, I was trying to pay for the book um, mm -hmm. that I had purchased for my students. And uh, somehow, as it is the 
the trend right now. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe the person who's taking the money sits somewhere else in the world. And so they had some very, very strong accent. But that wasn't the problem. The problem, I could not understand what they were saying. Right. And then uh, as a result, and I was paying a certain amount of money. I wanted to make sure that this mm-hmm. transaction was going well. So that was an issue. Uh, another situation, completely the opposite, I call sometimes for let's say tech support for a company or something like that and i very often there are girls who sit in philippines yes. and they have an accent and i asked them i said where are you and they said in philippines i said i'm delighted to know that we are sharing the the wealth of this world with everybody and you are able to sit in your own country with your support with the loving parents and the family around you and you are getting paid from united states and this is the way we need to look at the world. I think that for us to be able to have a diverse um, world, that but yet unified. So unity and diversity, we, yes. would, we can arrange. So I would say accent should, we should choose to say if, if a person has an accent, that means that person speaks more than one language. Yes. And that's right. the way that's we should true. see it. That's true. So the question is, who here has ever had to do some tongue twisting to accommodate, say, a, nat- a um, natural-born American in order to kind of sound somewhat American? Have any of you had to twist your tongues and then somewhere along the line you just end up with no accent? It's neither your indigenous accent from your home country nor American. Because I have maybe mm-hmm. in trying to, someone is like you said, someone's talking to you and you don't think they understand you. And so you try to sound, because I've heard it. I've heard in grocery stores. Have you heard someone do that? No, I don't. I, I'm going to sound myself all day because well. I think it's, that's what I want to sound like. And it's foreign. That's people want to get to, <laughs> yeah, pe- like people want to like, when I open my mouth and they want to you know, maybe perceive me speaking French or yes. something else. And then I have an international and like, oh, where are you from? They start yes. up a conversation. So mm-hmm. I want to be me. I don't want to change. Yes. My kids even tell me, oh, it's there. It's not the. <laughs> when I <laughs> and they yeah. try to So you sound me. yourself regardless of how it's perceived, how it's received. Yeah. Kevin, what is it that makes some people want to adjust? Like in the case of the story that we read from the New York Times art- article, wanting, she was feeling down on herself. She would pronounce Yosep as opposed to Joseph. And she, in her country, of course, that was not an issue. But here it's an issue. And some people, there's a lot of people who want to be, who want to adjust. I think, um, first of all, we have each an approach to perfection. Yes. Right. And um, there is nobody who's perfect. And <laughs> the fact that human beings, as human beings, we think, yes. but also we can think about what we think. Mm-hmm. And then if we um, choose to think and focus on people's shortcomings, I think there's going to be plenty we yes. can find in everybody. The way they look, the way they sound, mm-hmm. the way they walk. Mm-hmm. And I really think that uh, we need to come to understand that God has given us the ability to think and also to think about how we think and yes. then choose the right way to think. Yes. And I think look for the positive in each other. And in that way, everybody will come across as good. But if we choose to look at the negative, ours, there's going to be plenty to find faults with everybody. So then we'll be miserable. <laughs> well, can we, can we deny the fact, though, that that's wishful thinking and it's a beautiful thought. However, can we deny the fact that, for example, in today's climate of immigration, I'm sure there's a lot of people 
right now in certain environments that would not want to be identified because your accent sometimes gives you away. So if you come from a country that's stigmatized in any way, you wouldn't want to be saying Joseph as opposed to Joseph, would you? So <laughs> I guess the question is, is there a sense that if you're perceived as European, you really get more of a past? Do you think so? Queen Uche, what do you think? Well, I think to me, everything boils down to like maybe it's a phone conversation. You pick up a phone to yes. pay your bill and then somebody is like, oh, excuse me. I beg your pardon. Yes. Um, can you hear me? I'm like, I can hear you very loud and clear mm -hmm. because the phone is not disconnecting. You're probably trying to change the subject because you can't, uh, maybe my accent is thick or you're trying to mock me. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But like I said, I still sound like the way I want well, to Well, you're sound. beautiful. I'm sure everybody want to talk to you, but for those who are not so... <laughs> and everybody's beautiful, but I'm your queen. You're the face right. of Nigeria, <laughs> Miss Africa world, so your standards are a little different. It's true, though. There is yeah. something, I'm sure Kevin or maybe Dr. Ora can maybe testify based on your what you do for a living. Mm -hmm. People do discriminate based on even looks. Right. So accent is not one of those things. We discriminate on age, how people look, people wear, how much people wear, if they're lighter, darker. Yeah. So we cannot pretend that this accent topic is not a valid topic. All right. Like, when it's coming down, I think, to names. Um, <laughs> I mean, I really believe always when I'm looking at my students' names, you know, mm -hmm. it's like I'm asking, I'm like, is Jesus or Jesus? There you go. Because now I really don't know. I mean, there are differences. You know, maybe he is from a Latin country, but he mm -hmm. wants to be called, you know, in the American right. way. And I always say, well, you know, it's like Michael Jackson is going to go or was going, you know, to Europe. And he was like Michelle Jackson. I'm like. <laughs> Well, I mean, it depends. Probably you are going to pick up the name, you know, of that country where you are going to perform. And I'm not going to ask, you know, the guys in, you know, France, you know, to pronounce his name. You know, Michael Jackson, yes, he's known all over the world. But, exactly. you know, it's Michel Jackson or Miguel, you know, in, in Spain. So I think when it's coming down to names, you know, it's it's just a little bit different. Yes. You know, um, I remember when I was called Aura, Aura, Laura, Aura, Aura, Aura. I mean, there were, you know, an array of, yeah. you know, for my names. And I always, I mean, I was laughing. I'm like, for sure, they're calling my name. And then my last name could not even be pronounced, even if it's Imbarus. And yes. I'm like, well, honey, the way you spell it, that's the way you pronounce it. You don't have to twist your tongue here. But I, I, I mean, in my case, it's just another laughable situation, you know. And that's very, that's very interesting perspective. What about in the employer-employee scenario? Because some people have lost jobs as a result of the accent. And the employer can say, I lost business because of your accent. I do believe, like, like and it's coming down to sales, as yes. an example. You know, mm -hmm. if you're going to have customers who really don't understand you, then probably you're going to lose some money for the company. And yes. I agree with that. Now... Uh, should you go back to school? Well, depends. I mean, I think that when you came here, and let's say you're generation 1.5, mm -hmm. okay, your parents, you do speak your native language at home, but also you are going to go to an American institution. Probably the more you practice your native tongue, you are never going to get rid of your that's accent. True. So if that's going to be the case, it's probably going to be a challenge mm. now depends also how old you were when you came to the united states yes. like you know if your vocal cords are already formed 
So now we're going you know, to... Now you're going to deal with that for the rest of your life. When so I, are you saying that we, for us it's done? Whatever it is, it is. <laughs> well, you can have a lot, you know, you can have a coach, a speech coach yes. that actually is going to probably diminish your accent. You know, like all the Hollywood stars are going to go and pick up accents, you know, yes. for different roles they're playing. Right. Absolutely. That's true. So I think, you know, people pay money, you know, to come up with accents. And then we're paying money to get rid of our accents. You know, that is true. So, <laughs> Queen, let me do a last round here. Queen, do you do you adjust your accent to accommodate your clients so you don't lose business? Because we're talking about that relationship of making money. Well, my, for me, like, I still stand with what I stand. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say about my accent. All You're pretty day. stubborn. I, I, yeah, no, I think it's sexy <laughs> if you ask me. But I'm going to give you the best customer service. Yes. But I will still stand by my accent. Have you accent. lost business? Would somebody walk away because... They just couldn't handle it. No. Oh. They, 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 they tried to have a conversation. Oh, where are you from? How long have you been here? Mm -hmm. And you know what? The, the fun thing is that sometimes they were like, you don't, even have, you don't even have an accent. I'm like, really? <laughs> okay. okay. Fair enough. Especially if you think you do, right? Yeah. So, I mean, just based on what she said, if someone says you don't have an accent, is it then, uh, Kevin, is it a self-consciousness? Is it that sometimes we perceive discrimination when there is none, or is there are there instances where there's a clear cut bias? I, 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 you know, I'm kind of old, you know. Well, <laughs> so, we're benefiting from your so, experience. Exactly. So I um, don't remember. I've been so long here, and I don't remember really any negative memories from mm -hmm. Americans uh, as as a whole. Yes, I uh, see that um, Europeans a lot more. Um, maybe critical of mm -hmm. um, one's accent or mm -hmm. nationality. I don't. I always thought the Americans were a lot more open, a lot more wide embrace yes. in uh, accommodating and diversity of people. And then maybe mm -hmm. also because of being a Baha'i in the Baha'i community, I have always had the pleasure of support from all different people who yes. had this mindset. The diversity is good, adds to the beauty of the whole garden. Yes. You know, so I, I'm not a very classical or mm -hmm. typical recipient of the prejudices yes. or some kind of a biases towards accent. Mm -hmm. um, if anything, on the other side, I was the beneficiary of a lot of goodwill. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, I really think that there is some degree that we influence our own interaction with people. Absolutely. We are not just in a box where um, others who are communing with us, they can decide. So a smile, being tolerant, being yes. looking for something positive in others, these are all the forces that we have within ourselves to really love the person that we talk I'm sure there are occasions where the person is so frustrated or something upset or whatever it is, or the police guy comes, whatever, I don't know. Yes. <laughs> they might yes. look at something. Um, but altogether, um, my experience really has been, been good. has been positive. Yeah, yeah. I am very, very much... Um, that's wonderful. Really applauding Actually, the American spirit of, yes. of um, welcoming say, the strangers. Typically, the experience has been good. I think it just depends on the individual. If someone's going to be bigoted, they're going to be bigoted regardless mm -hmm. of Absolutely. your accent. Right. You know? So mm -hmm. we're going to 
shut it down here but or are you dying to say something yes and i really agree with you because it, you know in europe yes. if you have an accent mm -hmm. i mean people will look at you scrutinize you way more than they will in the united states mm, wow. i mean in germany i i've stayed there for a little bit you know longer mm -hmm. and so in germany no matter what you're always going to be an auslander you know an immigrant right mm -hmm. and you're always going to have an accent and people will look down on you because you have an accent. Mm -hmm. um, whenever I go back to my native country, Romania, when I'm speaking uh, my native language, Romanian, people say you have an accent. And I'm like, that's perfect. <laughs> because <laughs> now all of a sudden I pick up the intonation, you know, yes. of the English language. <laughs> and probably I do have an accent right now in Romanian. So I guess, you know, there are no accents. And I'm into the Romglish part. Romglish, you know. Well, Romanian what would yours be, Quinuche? Romglish. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and and one more thing. I think that maybe sometimes some that's based on some people that are ignorant. True. Mm -hmm. Sometimes mm -hmm. they think that people with accent are inferior or uneducated. Or uneducated. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Because yeah. then you like oh. Did you go to college? My client yes. is asking me. I'm yes. like, hell yeah. I, I'm, I went to law school from there, mm -hmm. political science. I went to law school briefly. I couldn't mm -hmm. make, I couldn't like, you had other I want to do fashion. Yes, you had other things that you yeah. love to so, do. So mm -hmm. like, oh, law school or oh, political science. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, but because I have an accent, you think I just left from like maybe kindergarten. Yeah. So and uh, on that yeah. note, and I want to separate, <laughs> okay. by the way, accent from pronunciation, yes. because, you know, somebody wants to say iCloud mm -hmm. and they say iCloud. Yes. So well, <laughs> that makes it difficult to understand yes. what they're saying. So I would not I, I, I think they should um, uh, learn yes. to yes. pronounce it if they're speaking with a British you know, accent. Absolutely. They should make sure the people understand that's that's a um, loving approach to, you know, communication no. you want other no, people no. to understand you so we're gonna have to wrap it up here because this topic <laughs> we're gonna have to discuss after the show <laughs> it's uh it was the end it was getting more and more interesting but we have to bring in another perspective here i need um miss kiana williams to chime in and uh, this is impact on kpfk 90.7 fm and i'm your host pamela Anchang. let's get the american perspective on impact talks with miss kiana williams an audio engineer editor, co-host, and producer of Feminist Magazine here on Pacifica Radio. Welcome to the show, Miss Kiana. Hi, Pamela. Thank you. Thanks Amazing. so much. Amazing. So, you've listened to what our immigrant, Romi well, I don't know, it's Romish, Africanish, <laughs> whatever accents right there. What we had to say, what are your thoughts? And I want to know about your experience as a natural-born American with immigrants in general as far as the accent is concerned. Um, I have to uh, say that I thoroughly appreciate Queen's stubbornness, if we want to call it <laughs> stubbornness. I have to be honest. I personally feel like everyone should be that stubborn. Yes. Self-assured is mm -hmm. a better word to me. But in terms of accents, I think in a country like America, which has a uniqueness in that it's it's sort of laden in discrimination in yes. a way. So. An accent will stand out and it's going to be picked apart and people are going to be oddly agitated if they yes. can't understand your word. Mm -hmm. they, they, it, there's, there's a reaction, an emotional reaction, and I think that just comes from a place of 
uh, that's taught. Mm-hmm. It's something you learn yes. here in the States, um, whether you, even if you have a Southern accent, sometimes the Southern accent is made, a lot of fun is made of the Southern accent. But accents that come from countries that are primarily people of color, though they get the worst reactions. Yes. They get the discrimination. If you're from Australia, if you're a white Australian, if you're British, you get placed in front of a microphone and a camera. So there's a totally different dynamic there in the way that Americans respond to accents. Um, there's also the exceptionalism that comes with being an American. Somehow, Americans tend to think that they're better than everyone else. And <laughs> our language is the language of business somehow. Yes. Or it's the language of intellect or whatever. It's not. And to be quite honest with you, I am very thankful for immigrants, or I don't like the word immigrants, people who have moved to the United States, I'm extremely grateful for, because they have come here with their really refreshing perspectives. And they've definitely laid to rest some just a little a little bit of that exceptionalism. So much so that there is a difference. Mm-hmm. And you're right, I've experienced that too in, in, in Europe. There's, a, there's definitely a little bit more of a visceral yes. response. But since I speak English, right, mm-hmm. even though I'm black, but I speak the white language. So there's, there's that too Let in Europe. That's a very interesting perspective there. When you travel and you're black, you're African-American, out of the country, Do you get treated differently from, say, a Caucasian American, maybe in Paris? So uh, there are two different responses that I've had. One is before I open my mouth, and that's just, I I, I totally get I'm black. Yes. When they see me on site. The second I open my mouth and they hear an English speaker and they hear the American accent, then they change. All of a sudden I'm thought of as, oh, oh. Customer service is like at its finest at that point. <laughs> so, so truly, accent does matter. Apparently, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, yes, it does. But here, um, uh, even and you were talking about your name and your name being completely botched. Mine is Kiana, six letters, <laughs> and it was just, I mean, mowed over in the worst way as a child. It was Kenyatta, Kenyara. Actual other letters were added, so I didn't really understand that. And it was just a simple, it's really quite simple. But if it's different from John, Smith, Katie, Sarah, all of these sort of usual names, then less attention is paid in the proper pronunciation of it. And I think what that sort of yields to, or what it actually means, is that they don't take you as seriously. They don't see that your name is who you are to people. And so I, I think that's a diminishment of the person, to be quite honest, because it is your name. It's how you distinguish yourself from another human being. It's just, you know, when there's two Sarahs, you have to somehow find a way to separate them both. Otherwise, they're, you, yes. you know what I'm saying? So so do you think immigrants, so you would agree it's not that with maybe immigrants are too sensitive. It's because sometimes there's a visceral reaction to depending on how somebody would approach you. Maybe, like you said, if you're black or you're a minority community person, person of color, then the reception is a little more visceral and the reaction is poor. Do you think immigrants should, if it's going to cost them an opportunity, would you recommend that they adjust? Because like in the ladies in Carmen's article, she actually took classes to secure her job. Do you think we should? Because we have to take a, a, a test, a language test when we do the citizenship, the naturalization application process. Should we then 
maybe try to adjust our accent to secure jobs, maybe? What do Not you think? the accent. No, I think it's Americans that need to do the adjusting, I think. I think to be fair, mm-hmm. globally, we have an accent, too. Not only that, but I, it's just uh, just not even thinking about nations or anything. We're human beings. We share one planet. And at the end of the day, we're going to have different accents. We're going to have different everything. We need to just learn how to, oh, okay, cool, awesome. This is what I sound like. This yes. is what you sound like. Let me learn how to understand you, and you learn how to understand me. It's a learning opportunity. It's not anything to fear at all. But we were conditioned to think that it's something to fear and and repel. It's not. It's nothing like that. So, well, no, I don't say get rid of your accent at all. Be yourself. Yes, absolutely. And make people say your name. <laughs> say my name. Say yes. my name. There's a song like that, right? Yes. Say my name. Oh, Beyonce said. So we're going to go with Beyonce's message and wrap it up and say, say your name and be yourself. Um well, we want to thank you very much, Miss Kiana, thank for you. joining us. Your input is so well noted. And we will see you next time. See you and then. you are listening to Impact on Pacifica Radio, KPFK 90.7, where immigrants and Americans discuss America today. And we just did that. We will now take a break with Music Master Charles. So, Music Master Charles, please tell us what we have in store. Chinese pop song. If I were young, right? Leave you now. Welcome back. And we will now switch gears to Impact Talks, where we learn the unique stories of our guests. We welcome to Impact Talks at this time, Dr. Aura Imbarus. She's an awarded educator, journalist, life coach, and author of the critically acclaimed Amazon bestseller, Out of the Transylvania Night, a story of tyranny, freedom, love, and identity, a memoir detailing her life in Romania during the communist regime. She's also the president and founder of See Beyond, Live, Love, Inspire. Dr. Imbarus is a licensed clinical hypnotherapist who trained with Dr. Brian West and Dr. Juanita Holmes. She was featured on NBC, ABC, CNBC, Good Morning San Diego, Forbes Romania, and many more. Aura Imbarus serves on the California Ballet Advisory Council. She's also the president and co-founder of RAPN, Romanian American Professional Network. So honored to have you on the show, Aura. Well, thank you so much, Pamela. Nice seeing you again after so many years. <laughs> yes, I have to just throw that in that Aura used to write for the Immigrant Magazine. And she's Absolutely. more than welcome to echo those voices one more. Thank you. More. Really, I will. Okay, so tell us. Let's just get to it. I want to know if your journey has anything to do with your book, the 
Amazon's bestseller. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about your journey to the United States. Well, first of all, let me kind of like walk you through my mm -hmm. whole journey. In a nutshell. In a nutshell. <laughs> okay, so you have like five minutes. Perfect. Yes. So um, I won what it's called the diversity visa. Okay. And so that's mm. the diversity visa. Yeah, the it's lottery. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So that's giving 50,000 people from all over the world a chance to come mm -hmm. to the United States and start with a green card so mm -hmm. the right to work legally in the United States mm -hmm. um, I've heard about it I had no clue what was it all about I applied and I forgot about it and a year after pretty much I got this huge mail um, you know that said congratulations you've been selected out of 12 million applicants uh, who applied from all over the world and 100,000 were chosen and they were pretty much lowering that number to 55,000 so I won the green card lottery which is literally diversity visa mm -hmm. and I came to the states 20 years ago um I started working as a hostess for intercon ask you real uh -huh. quickly yeah why did you take the offer well, why not? <laughs> so um, it's kind of like I always knew that mm -hmm. I'm going to leave the country at one particular point. Wow. Uh, we did deal at one point with revolution, Romanian revolution in okay. 1989. And when I was um, a senior in high school, I kind of like I was caught in the middle of some crossfire. Okay. And um, that's actually how my memoir is going to start. But I knew that if I will be given an opportunity, I'm going to leave the country. I always thought of myself as being more an international human being than just belonging to one nation and one culture. So mm -hmm. I always saw myself living somewhere else. And of course, United States was a pleasant invitation. So I applied, I won it, and here I am. And how do you like it here? How oh has my it been God. For you? I mean, I love it. I really do. Like when people say, do you go home? And I'm like, no, honey, I am <laughs> home. I'm going to Romania because I always say, if you're not home where you are, then probably you should really have a journey inside of your own soul and see exactly what stops you from being home or going home. And I feel like I am home. That is just awesome. Tell me about, because you've done so much, you're an educator and do a lot of things. This is a time when you can tell me a little bit about your company. What is CBeyond? Is it, C is it a magazine? Yeah, it's a magazine and it's, it's actually a, a life coaching. Okay. Exactly. So tell we us a little, about, a little bit about it. Um, so I kind of like follow around Dr. Wayne Dyer, who was a motivational speaker, but he was also by formation a psychologist. Mm -hmm. And um, he was cured by John of God, who is a healer in Brazil of leukemia. Mm -hmm. So in 2013, after Oprah went to Brazil to see John of God, I decided to go on my own. And because I have no problem traveling mm -hmm. the world alone. Um, I ended up in Brazil. And when I came back from John of God, it was just that journalistic, um, inquisitive mind that wanted mm -hmm. to know exactly what this guy is doing and how is he healing people miraculously without having any medical background. And so when I came back from Brazil, a year after, I was just having a cup of coffee at Starbucks, and the name Sea Beyond just came to me. And I had no clue what to do with it. I sat on it for one more year. Um, I went and I trademarked it, Sea Beyond. And mm -hmm. then it so happened that I did a survey with my students. And I said, okay, if there was some sort of a magazine where pretty much you are going to listen, you're going to read about stories of other people who, let's say, survived 
uh, cancer okay. or they really, you know, uh, put themselves together after their parents actually broke up or let's say you had a horrible traumatizing experience. How did you really see beyond that particular moment? Hmm. And can you tell me how you've done it? So then we are going to find some sort of a recipe for the other ones who you might not be the only one who has, you know, traveled that route and kind of like help them out as well. So the so idea it's, of it's, a magazine it's a resource. started. It's a resource. Exactly. You know what? There's a lot of people out there who could use that. How can our listeners find you or find see beyond well, is it a website yeah and all of so that? we have cbeyondmag.com mm-hmm. um cbeyond magazine is actually an inspirational motivational platform so we have a magazine and right now we actually um added two more sections yes. we added a life coaching mm-hmm. um under dream builders because i'm certified by mary morrissey That's as amazing. a life coach and then we also um we're trying to partner up with brands who want to take their message around the world and we also do live journeys for them. So we kind of like do cruises for those particular brands. That's awesome. And you know what? To work with Dr. Aura in Barus, <laughs> she likes to me just call her Aura. It's just to be healed. <laughs> and so we look forward to her coming back on the show because I had more questions, but we're out of time. And, and this is time. Impact. No, we have so much more to talk I about next that. show. <laughs> Trust me. This is Impact on KPFK 90.7. I'm your host, Pamela Anchang. Thank you so much, Thank Aura. you, Pamela. Thank you so much. Amazing. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you. And now we welcome to Impact Talks, Queen Uche Omieguku, founder of Uche Hair, a highly respected hair extension entrepreneur in Beverly Hills, California. A philanthropist, successful businesswoman, mom, model, and two-time pageant winner. She has made many appearances in magazines and television, such as VH1, Bravo, TVC, NTA, BET, Centric, E! News, Style Network, and WeTV. Operating a multi-million dollar wigs and hair empire worldwide, she hopes to use her knowledge of building world-class brands to help the local entrepreneurs increase self-sufficiency and expand their companies as Miss Face of Nigeria and Miss Africa World. Welcome to Impact Talks. Queen Uche. <laughs> Thank you for having me. You're looking very <laughs> regal. Title right there. Oh yeah, but you dis- <laughs> it's your title. And you earned it. And you look it. I so, know. looking very regal, I might add. So, tell us, tell our listeners about your journey to the United States. Oh, that's a long journey. In a nutshell. In a nutshell, I know. Yes, because people always want to know where we're from. I know. Well, um, I'm from the eastern part of Nigeria. Um, I got here because I won the face of Nigeria in 2005. Mm-hmm. So I came to represent, um, the. I came to an organization called World Igbo Congress. Okay. So from there, um, I'm here now. Mm-hmm. And um, I decided to, <laughs> I decided to, you know, open up a hair company. Okay. And also helped cancer patients. I know. Yeah. That's awesome. Because I, I lost my mom mm-hmm. when she battled cancer. So I saw the pain. Okay. And all she kept on asking was a wig. Mm. So I was just going to ask you, before we get to that, let I know a lot when I say queen, inquiring minds want to know how you got the face of Nigeria and Miss Africa World. There are... Tell us a little bit about that pageant or those pageants. Um, the first one, were, my first title mm-hmm. was uh, Face of um, Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was crazy because mm-hmm. uh, I was then in London mm-hmm. for a modeling job. Mm-hmm. And 
a friend of mine got the form to, mm-hmm. you know, do the pageant, mm-hmm. but the boyfriend said, oh, what pageantry are for, you know, people, quote unquote, people on the streets. Yes. So she wanted to get her money back, but the pageant people said it was a final sale. So she went to my mom's house and dropped the form. Yes. And there I am. I went to the pageant I contested and I won. See, it's interesting. I was the reason I asked that question is because most of the time, especially in African cultures or some cultures, right. the beauty pageant world is not viewed in such an honorable way. Mm-hmm. But you view it to do something. So tell us about what you're doing with these platforms. Well, just like you said, uh, people don't really take it seriously because they think the beauty queens are just, you know, empty heads. Uh, yeah, not fi- true. Yeah, fine not girls <laughs> with nothing. But I mean, to me, I'm still may be beautiful but i always have to put an impact in anywhere i go to like live like um mm-hmm. footprints so when i when i won the face of nigeria i was working with hiv aids right. uh, over there in abuja with mm-hmm. uh, the patient mm-hmm. and then it turned my mom got sick of cancer and mm-hmm. I changed the platform to helping women and children living with living with cancer. Yes, that really brings me now to the week business. Right. And you are a highly respected businesswoman out here in Beverly Hills, California. I love that ambition. I love that stubbornness that you have. So tell <laughs> us about your inspiration or motivation behind your business. Well, it's always like like the last episode that we have mm-hmm. we had earlier with the women. Mm-hmm. It's like well, the accent and things are always trying to draw you back because you're not from here. Yes, you think that okay, well, th- this is America and I'm just from Nigeria. I can't do anything. I always have this confidence that I can even move mountain if Absolutely. you leave me. <laughs> so how is like how do you come from Nigeria? <laughs> the way you came, humble, even though with assets and had this belief that you belonged to Beverly Hills. It's just self-confident. Yeah, that's exactly the message, right? So you recently returned to Nigeria for homecoming. Right. Tell us a little bit about that and why you went back to do that. Uh, I went back to Nigeria to, like what they say, to show them the crown because, you mm-hmm. know, after the pageant, I, they hosted me. It was, uh, it was a warm welcome from mm-hmm. all the government officials, some kings and... It was nice, and we I do got have to kings. see my <laughs> <laughs> Africans have kings, right? Of course, we do. <laughs> so, and then I got to see my dad, yes. you know, and some other family members. So mm-hmm. it was a warm welcome, and I got to, I had to um, spend time with some with the kids that I'm working with now, called Osef Kids. Okay, yeah, tell we, us about them. Osef is a platform where we send children back to school children in the street mm-hmm. and they they send them back to school so I, i'm now their current ambassador mm-hmm. so we work hand in hand yeah mm-hmm. see a lot of immigrants out here try to give back and yes. that's exactly what you're doing is because most immigrants come from countries that are still facing hardship so what do you think how can people in the diaspora immigrants out here how can they make an impact in their homelands well, the world charity sometimes, sometimes is some is sometimes what is inbuilt to you the gener- being generous. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people don't know what to do, but they want to do it. Sometimes it's just something that is in you. Mm-hmm. I'm a very generous. You're a philanthropist. Yeah. Yes. Regardless. I know that. Yeah. So I just want to help people. Do you think it's a duty that if you're out here doing better, you should give back home? Yes. If you are doing anywhere, if you're doing like 
comfortable. You are, you are very comfortable in what you're doing. I think you should get back, even in churches, yes. feed the homeless, you know, do something. You're doing an amazing job. How yeah. can listeners support you? How can they find you? Well, uche.co, everything is there. And of course, your store is in Beverly Hills, California. Honey. You want to give the address? Honey, yeah, 8383 Wilshire. <laughs> Thank you so me. much. <laughs> Thank you so much. You know what? Listeners can find Uche on our website at immigrantmagazine.com or on our Facebook page at Impact. So thank you so much and all the best. Please keep us posted. And this is Impact with Pamela <laughs> Anchang on Radio Pacifica, KPFK 90.7 FM. Thanks for having me. Now we welcome to Impact Talks, Ms. Kevin Giller. She's a listened marriage, family, and child counselor specializing in the integration of psychotherapy and spirituality from a Baha'i perspective. She designs and teaches curriculums centered on the empowering principle of unity in diversity. Kevin Giller is an international consultant, trainer, educator, and lecturer. Mrs. Geller is a producer and host of radio and TV shows. Her well-received TV series was called Transforming Human Consciousness, which aired for over eight years. She is the founder and president of a non-profit educational organization called Center for Global Integrated Education. She also hosts KidsSideBySide.org in response to the human rights violation of the Baha'i students in Iran who have been banned from participating in learning or serving in their homeland for nearly 40 years. She's quite an inspiration and we're honored to have Ms. Kevin Geller to the show. Welcome to Impact Talks, Kevin. <laughs> Thank you, Pamela. You're, you are a very, very vibrant vibrant, <laughs> ruminous character. I really appreciate the invitation. And this is the first time I had a chance to see one of my favorite uh, radio station, KPFK. Yes. And then the impact, who's making such an impact. Awesome. Well, with all that, all of that, how could we not just plug this in? <laughs> this is a pleasure. You're, it's awesome. But let's start from the beginning. I know yeah. you've been here a long time. And that's why we have you on the show, because you're going to give us a more seasoned opinion. So tell know. me first, how <laughs> did you come to the United States and how long ago? Briefly. You, know, you know, that's a good question. I was l reflecting and I was hearing all these wonderful mm -hmm. women here talking about their experience. I was reflecting. I thought, oh, my goodness. I just realized <laughs> that I have been always an immigrant. Even in my own country, I, I was like an immigrant. Being mm. a Baha'i um, is a minority in Iran. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, I see. And so my way of thinking, my way of believing, the values yes. that I had was very, very um, foreign. And at times, actually, <laughs> yeah. it was um, uh, subject to persecution. So Correct. I just remember that my grandfather was um, Jewish background. Mm -hmm. And um, at that time, um, the central figures of the Baha'i faith were in prison in Palestine. So my grandfather... It was in his tw early 20s, so yes. he um, becomes a Baha'i, and then he walks for six months on wow. foot to go to um, Holy Land. At that mm -hmm. time, it was Palestine. Anyway, when he comes back, he got, he, he got killed. Shot. Mm. So my grandmother was um, in her early 20s, five children. The little one was just newborn, and she had to raise them by herself. 
So she should have been a very strong woman to be able to, and she was a Baha'i herself. So when I was, when I was a child and I was talking to her, I was just amazed how this woman, and she would say, oh, I was so beautiful, and she would talk about herself. And then she would manage, she managed uh, the wealth of my grandfather. Mm -hmm. uh, but I also saw the damage that was done to my uncles and uh, my aunts yes. be being, you know, having their father killed at that early age. Mm -hmm. And then each one of them suffered consequences of that. So did that lead my to father. the journey? Is that way the journey to it, coming here started? It was actually it, in many different directions. Mm -hmm. uh, it puts you in a difficult situation yes. where you have to swim <laughs> or oh, <wow>. drown. <laughs> yes, absolutely. One or the other. And then you discover that uh, how much support Yes. means a big deal yes. in you, your ability to be manifested and realized. Mm -hmm. And so the whole notion of support um, became much more important to me than thinking, oh, I can do it by myself. Yes. There was really nothing you could do sometimes with yourself. So at what age did you decide then to come to the United well, States? As a result of that, I was raised in a community that... Uh, the Baha'i community of mm -hmm. Iran that wasn't internationally minded already, okay. had a global mindset. Mm -hmm. Oneness of humanity was the, is the umbrella that the Baha'is right. believe in equality of men and women, mm -hmm. independent investigation of truth, mm -hmm. elimination of prejudice. Um, so all of these teachings were um, interesting there, but I wanted to experience them other places. Oh, I see. So um, first time I came to my father, mm -hmm. I wasn't married, and I said to my father, I want to go to Cambodia. And he said, over my dead body. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, why does my father say that? Because he's a Baha'i, he should be happy. And he said, you know, that's a country in war. Yeah. You're a young girl. You're not going to go over there without, you know, by yourself. No way. I thought I was really offended. So my father, who is supposed to be very forward-thinking yes. Baha'i. So I why know. is he not Even he was go? Exactly. So anyway, but I went to the um, uh, local governing council of the Baha'is, so we don't have it. You know, Baha'is yeah. don't have priests. Mm -hmm. I went to this governing council, <laughs> and I told her in my innocent, mm -hmm. <laughs> maybe not very brightness, I said, you know, I want to go to Cambodia. And my father says, no, what can you guys do? And they said, well. <laughs> <laughs> what can we do? You know, they said, well, you need to convince your father if you want to yes. do something like that. And um, so you can't really be... Um, not able to uh, come into consensus. So yes. if you your job is to convince him. So mm -hmm. I thought to myself, that's very difficult. So mm, some time passed, and then I got a scholarship to come to the United States. Oh. And then I thought, oh, my father, he's not going to let me go. So I went to him, and I said, Father, I got a scholarship to go as an economic consultant to study yes. in the U.S. He said, by all means, I'm delighted to go. <laughs> <laughs> wow! I said, how come you're agreeing with that? He said, because this is a forward-thinking, um, civilized place in the world. Yes. And uh, you will be growing, you'll be learning, and I'm not worried about you're not going to a war zone. That's different. Regardless of the Baha'i faith, yes. you are going to the United States. So he said, no, he, he was very for yes. it. That's and amazing. I learned that my father, and the way I, we, we were raised, is open to the universality of human spirit mm -hmm. and oneness of humanity. And my father has a reason. And yes. I, so therefore, I came here. And I have, ever since then, that was 1966. Oh, wow. So you can see how old I am. Yes. <laughs> so ever since then, I have been learning, learning, learning. So 
I decided that because I was the beneficiary of a mm -hmm. universal global mm, learning, both from in Iran when I was around, um, Baha'is who came from all over the world there to educate women. Yes. You know, the first schools in Iran were um, initiated by Baha'is in the, in the, for everybody. Yes. So I thought to myself, I need to give to yes. back to the world. And how can I give? And so my first order was raising my own children mm -hmm. in the way they can give. Yes. So I made sure that they are growing up with this universal mindset that humanity is one. Everybody is like a cell yes. in that body. I love that any, any one cell goes, you know, mm, uh, against the rest, the body will die. So Absolutely. that was a principle to me. And so my children, with my youngest was about five. I decided... Okay, this is time for me to change another to another field because all the time I loved my mystical background. I just loved my Persian behind mystical background, but it was no match for the science. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to learn how to match and integrate it with the science of psychology. So that changed my journey a little bit, and then I became a psychotherapist. That's awesome. You have just said it all in a nutshell. Well, I don't know about that. No, absolutely. You told it <laughs> like a big pomegranate. No, but it's good. What you said was so insightful. <laughs> I could just ask you one last question. One <laughs> sentence. What is your message to Americans, like natural-born Americans and immigrants, in a nutshell? You know, one as word. A, as a psychotherapist, yes. welcome this. It's just like, you know, in medicine, you get blood transfusion, mm -hmm. you get, you know, organ trans yes. <laughs> transplant. Yes. That is to make the life better. So this yes. is no difference. Yes. This is to bring in other mindsets, other cultures, other richnesses, and have a transplant mm. of humanity into a, this beautiful garden, which is the garden of U.S. and the world. So I say, this adds to our strength and beauty, so unity and diversity. Awesome. You know what? We just couldn't have chosen. I told you we saved the best for last. I don't know about that. Everybody was. No, we saved the last for. What's the, what's the, the expression? Best. The best for last. <laughs> yeah, we saved the That's best for last because, you know what? We needed that wisdom. Well, and how about I, if I say these are the different flowers in the garden and diversity of flowers makes the garden more beautiful? Absolutely. <laughs> Keep going, girl. Well, thank you so much for sharing that wisdom it with us. It is a pleasure. Thank and you. And you're going to have to come back because we could use a lot of this wisdom that you've acquired over a lifetime. Yeah. So you are listening to Impact with Pamela Anchang on Pacifica Radio. Thank you so much. We have come to the end of our exciting show, Impact, on KPFK 90.7 FM. We hope you enjoyed our candid conversations with all our guests. Thanks to our formidable panel for a wonderful time. Please join our conversation by sharing your thoughts on our Facebook page at Impact with Pamela Anchang and follow me on Instagram at Pam Anchang, Twitter at Pamela Anchang, and finally, our YouTube channel, Team TV or Immigrant Magazine, Voice of Immigrants in America, where you can subscribe and find the video broadcast of Impact. We hope you tune in to our next show, Impact, on KPFK 90.7 FM, where immigrants and Americans discuss America today with your host, Pamela Anchang. We will now leave you with more music spotlight from Music Master Charles, giving you only the best of world music. Master Charles, what do you have for us? Oh, let's listen to this wonderful piece from Iran, Honey, by Sharam Solati. Oh, 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 oh,